Well, good morning. You guys doing well this morning? Yes? Yes. Well, if I haven't met you, my name is Kim Gillum, and I'm the pastor of kids and students over on the Edmond campus. Um, I just got back from student fall retreat, and I tell you that this morning for two reasons. If you've never been around seventh grade girls, you need to be around some seventh grade girls. At our student camp, they do this affirmation station where they hang an envelope on this wall with every person's name at the camp. And ladies, I read mine on the way home last night. Yes, queen. You all need someone who will stick an affirmation note when you are 51 in your envelope that says, yes, queen. <laughs> I didn't even need to read anymore. I was like, thank you for that, Lord. But I tell you that this morning because um, as I went this, into this weekend, I was tired. I was a little, anybody in here tired? Yeah, you know, that kind of tired where you're like, I can't believe I have to sleep on a brick for, uh, as a 51-year-old, but God was so good to me. Do you know what the theme this weekend was? The kingdom of God. And that, I was like, Lord, how sweet are you that that is what I'm going to talk about Monday morning, and you are going to let me just sit and soak it up for two full days. And so as we start this morning, I want to ask you a question. How many times do you know, have you moved in your life? Ooh, yeah, it's a hard one, right? So I have not moved a lot, but when I was a little girl, my parents, they moved us from this little house in Moore, Oklahoma, out to a 20-acre lot out in the middle of the country. And I was a little hacked off about it, actually, because... This new place that we lived, it didn't have some of the amenities that we were accustomed to with our city living. And so my cousins, we hadn't lived there very long, and they came to visit us, and they were a little confused by some of the things they saw. So for example, on a Saturday afternoon before we could go swimming, I had to go burn the trash. You know, <laughs> because we no longer had trash service out in the country. Or they spent the night one time and it stormed and the power went out so we couldn't flush our toilets because we had well water and there were no pumps that worked. Man, it was quite a lot. And so they didn't understand why we would choose to move and live in a place that seemed to have so much lack and required so much more work. And although I only lived 20 minutes east of this little town, in this little house where I'd had city water and trash service, my world had become completely different. And you know, I was confused for a season, but as I got older and as I lived in this place, what I realized was all of the stuff that I had had to give up to live where I now lived was nothing compared to what I gained. Things like getting to catch grasshoppers with my dad so we could go fishing on a Sunday morning or getting to ride horses with my siblings or getting to lay outside in the beautiful night sky and look up and count stars with my mom. My relationships had become so rich and people had become more important to me than my stuff and my comfort. Today, I still physically live in the same house that I moved into when I got married almost 24 years ago. And it's the house that I lived in when I gave my life over to Jesus. But my world looks different. 
And the world around me, I think, is often confused because it looks like I'm living a life of lack to them. So this morning, as we wrap up our series on John 3.16, we're going to talk about kingdom living. What is it? Where is it? Why does it matter? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Over the past seven weeks, we've dug deep into learning the mo- about the most generous and loving gift from a most generous and loving God. We don't live in a world that understands loving and giving very well, do we? Our culture says that love is conditional and that you give something because you want something in return. And here at the end of John 3.16, John paints us this beautiful picture of a different type of loving and giving, one that has our greatest good in mind. God gave the very best that he had to give so that we could be reconciled to him. It's a sacrificial love, and it's a picture of the love that exists in his kingdom, wherever his kingdom is. When I believe in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, my life and your life changes because I no longer perish. I have eternal life. Shall not perish. Those are three words, but they carry huge meaning. It tells us what God desires for us. It's the intention of God's love. But we don't like the word perish very much, I don't think, because it reminds us of the fact that we will physically die one day. But the Greek word that's translated as perish, it doesn't mean physical death. And it doesn't mean to cease to exist. It means to be separated from God. Our earthly bodies, it is a fact that we will die to our earthly bodies. But ladies, we get to choose whether or not we perish. The heart of God has always been for reconciliation, to be in right relationship with his people. Jesus, he came with the purest of motives to save us from ourselves and to return us to our Father. But without Jesus, perishing is inevitable and reconciliation is impossible. There is no middle ground between life and death. If to perish is to be separated from God forever, then eternal life is to be forever in God's kingdom. Anyone like scary movies? Any scary movie lovers out there? So when I was young, I used to love scary movies and I couldn't wait for October to arrive because it meant that there were choices for scary movies on the guide 24 seven. And so when my uh, firstborn, a little boy was born, well, I didn't think much about changing up my October routine until one night around that time of year, I needed to put him to bed. And he didn't wanna stay in bed. He needed a drink of water, and then he needed something, he needed a snack, and then he needed a kiss, and then he had a tummy ache. Finally, at my wit's end, I did what every good mother does, and I said, if you don't tell me what's really wrong, you're going to be in big trouble, because I wanted him to stay in bed. And his words, they were horrible. I hated them. He said, Mommy, I'm afraid. I said, You're afraid, Michael? Why? You have never been afraid to go to bed before. And so you see, my dad had just turned 60 and we'd had this party and someone gave him 
the creepiest looking old man doll, which is a weird gift for a 60-year-old man now that I think about it. But they'd been at our house that afternoon and Michael had been playing with it. So my dad left it and it was now sitting in the chair over with all the stuffed animals. You know where this is going, right? He said, mommy, I'm scared of the pawpaw doll. And I said, what? Michael, why are you scared of the pawpaw doll? I thought you liked the pawpaw doll. And he said, mommy, no, it looks like that scary guy that kills all those people in those movies that you watch. It looks like Chucky. Oh, even though, ladies, I took that doll out and I stuck it in the trunk of my car to give back to my dad, but it was weeks before my sweet little boy slept through the night again because the lid had been popped off of his fear, right? Sometimes that's us, isn't it? Eyes so fixed on what we're afraid of that we miss all that there is. What God has done for us through Jesus is about so much more than not going to hell. You see, we're not only saved from something, but we're saved to something. And that something is eternal life, everlasting life. If not perishing is the intention of God's love, then eternal life is the duration of that same love. Eternal or everlasting, it describes something that has no beginning and no end, something that always will be. Now, if you're like me, you can't help but think about heaven when you hear eternal life, right? And we don't know exactly, but we have this picture probably in our minds of what it'll be like, but the kingdom of God is about so much more than just heaven. It's about here and it's about now. Jesus brought the kingdom with him to this planet. When you place your faith in Jesus, eternal life, it begins at that moment and you enter into kingdom living. Seven chapters after John 3.16, John says that Jesus told us that he brought abundant life to those who follow him. He is a life-giving savior who brought the kingdom of God here with him. And life in God's kingdom is meant to be abundant, ladies. Time, it can be a marker of abundance. And so, yes, a forever life in heaven is an abundant life, but abundance is so much more. Now, the Greek word for abundance is not just mathematical surplus. It also is translated as superior in quality. The abundant life that Jesus came for you and for me to have is abundant in both quantity, abundant in quantity and quality. So in Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul, he talks about the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And it's where I wanna spend the next few minutes this morning. It'll be on the screen or you can follow along. So let me read for us Colossians 3, verses one through three from my Bible, if I can see the text. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The first thing that Paul tells us is that you have been raised with Christ, so you should live differently. Ladies, we should live like resurrected people. 
Christ came for us to have life. Resurrection power, it is about heaven one day, but it's also about here. Resurrection power is for here and for now. An abundant life, it understands the full power of resurrection. That Jesus is our source here of choice and of strength. His resurrection power lives in you now in the body that you've been given. So don't live in the grave. Jesus left the tomb and we need to do the same. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. So it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We can't live abundantly if we refuse to live resurrected. The old you, your mistakes from the past, your old choices, all of the things that like to creep back into your mind, they have been crucified. So we are supposed to set our hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He needs to be my object of love and affection because it should be different when we understand the power of resurrection. Paul goes on to say that we should not only set our hearts, but we should set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Which leads to the second thing that we can learn from Paul. We should not only live differently, but we need to love differently. I don't think it's by chance that Paul tells us to set our hearts before he tells us to set our minds. Because our thoughts and our attention, the things that we focus on, they follow the desires of our hearts, don't they? What I love most, it's what I think about most. What I adore is what I seek after. And heaven and earth are contrary to each other. The world, it invites me to satisfy the desires of my flesh. But Paul tells us here, we've gotta put them to death, right? All of these things that fight for your heart. Now the Greek word here, it's translated literally as make dead. And so it doesn't mean we should suppress them or try to control them. It literally means that they need to be wiped out. Paul goes on to give us this list further down in Colossians 3, in verses five through seven, of earthly things that will try to steal your affection. Things like greed and lust and idolatry, evil desires. If the old me has been put to death, there no longer is a spot for it in my heart. I can't put it on the shelf, right? It has to go. And it's only possible for it to go if it's been replaced with a love and desire for something better, Jesus Christ. But you don't have the power to put these things to death on your own. Jesus, he is the life-giving, death-defeating power that strips these things away, that puts them off. And when God becomes the object of my love and affection, then my mind can follow. We live in a me-minded world, right? A world that says, it's my life and I'll do with it what I want. But this world is contrary to the kingdom of God, which is probably why the Apostle Paul says here in Colossians, to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So I'm gonna ask you a hard question this morning. What is the last thing you've set your mind on? Do you live in it? Do you drive it? Is it in the bank? Can I find out by scrolling through your social media? What we, when we give our lives over to Jesus, our reason for living changes. We are spiritual people. 
intended to live lives that are about so much more than what this limited physical world has to offer. And I'm not saying that what we drive or what we live in or how much money we have in the bank is wrong. I'm absolutely not saying that. I'm simply saying that if we get, if we get hung up on all the stuff that this world has to offer, the physical stuff, then we miss the abundant life that Jesus came to give us and the life that really matters, our spiritual life, because that is what we carry into eternity, ladies. But we have to take regular inventory of the things that threaten the abundant life that Jesus came to give, because you can't put to death what you can't name. Then as we set our mind on things above, we can finally begin to see our lives through Jesus. To set my mind on things above is to learn to love the things that Jesus loves. And Jesus loves people, all of them, not just those who are easy to love. He loves the broken, the lost, the tossed out, those that are different than us, those who grate on our ever-loving last nerve. The love of Jesus is costly. John 3.16 speaks to that, doesn't it? But the love of Jesus, we know it's also bold and it's committed and it brings hope. The love of Jesus is reconciling. Finally, in verse three, Paul says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I want you to do something with me. Can you just picture something? I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to see yourself seated with Jesus right now in the presence of God the Father. It's almost overwhelming, isn't it? But if I'm able to see myself as already united with Christ, how can I not be changed? How can I not want different things than the old me wanted? You see, when I understand what, that I have already been given abundant life, I should live differently and I should love differently, but it should also make me want to choose differently. Further down in Colossians 3, Paul tells us that we not only need to throw away these old grave clothes that no longer fit who we are, but we have to clothe ourselves with something new. He gives us a new list. He says, put on compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, patience. Friends, these things that he lists, if we think about them, they are only needed if we are in relationship with other people. Our old self was all about us. Our new self, he tells us it's all about others. When we clothe ourselves as those who are hidden in Christ, we will forgive more freely and love more generously. This is the abundant life, but it's a surrendered life. This, ladies, is kingdom living. Abundant life is a journey, although we'd like it to be a destination. And along that journey, you won't just have to take off the old clothes once, right? I wish that was it. But we have to take them off constantly, surrendering and submitting our old self over and over and over again. 
Paul talks about it later on. If you go all the way down to Colossians 3.10, Paul says, putting on your new self, which is constantly, constantly being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. God chose to use you and me to carry his love and his message into this broken world. And how we walk out the abundant life that we've been given matters. Dallas Willard, he said that Jesus didn't come just to get us into heaven, but he came to get heaven into us. An abundant life is what Jesus wants for every one of his followers, but it will require something of us. It'll require us to live differently, it will require us to love differently, and it will require us to choose differently. So this morning as we close, I wanna ask you to ask yourself, are you living like you've been resurrected? Or is there something that you need to lay down that is not who you are anymore? Do you know what it is that you love more than anything? What it is that has all of your affection? Because what you love is what you serve. And what is your mindset on? Is there something that needs to change so that you can walk in the fullness of the abundant life that Jesus came to give you? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternity is not only life in heaven, but it's the quality of life that is possible here in God's kingdom. And kingdom living, it's the best part of being so loved. I'm gonna close this in prayer and then don't leave quite yet for your small groups. Deidre's gonna come and share a few things with you this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, you are such a good and loving God. Thank you for your word that reminds us of who you are and how good you are. God, I ask that you would allow us, that you would equip us and empower us to remember that love and to carry it into this world. As we head into a busy season, God, may we not forget that we are living, breathing representatives of your kingdom here and now. And it's in your precious name we pray, amen.